involved in a new series of messages called Counterculture. And what we're doing is we're just looking at some issues that are going on all, all around us just in general life and just simply taking a look at some cultural issues and saying how do those things line up with what Scripture says. Because whenever we do that, then after that point, then we have a decision to make. The question is, am I going to go along with what culture says or am I going to go along with what Scripture says? And so that's a decision every person has to make. And so today, the passage of Scripture we're going to be looking into is Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. And so if you're interested in taking a look at that just a little bit before we talk about it, uh, it's, you go right to the middle of your Bible and you're going to run in probably to the book of Psalms. So Psalm 139, uh, verse number 13. And today, our focus is really, it's really going to be on life. And uh, the, the topic, the issue that we're discussing today, a countercultural issue, is this. It's, it's, it's pro-life or pro-choice. And that's what we're talking about today. And what does the Bible have to say about those things? And I think one thing that, that a lot of people struggle with is they're trying to figure out what, what value their life has. How much value does a person's life have? Does it matter? I remember a number of years ago, there was the, the guy who used to own Netscape. Uh, at the time when he first started it, it was struggling. It was a struggling company. And so he got some investors to come in with him, and they wanted to go public with the company. And so they, they, he got the investors in. He went out, the president of the company went out, and bought a million shares of his own company for $1,000. Now, whenever they went public, it did a whole lot better than he thought that it was going to do. As a matter of fact, it ended up selling for $58 a share. And so overnight, this president, who went from really not having a whole lot of money, went from about $0 to $58 million in one day. That sound pretty good to y'all? I mean, I thought, that is not bad for a day's work. And so he went from 0 to $58 million. Now, we'd look at his life, and we'd say, now that guy's life has value, right? $58 million. I mean, that is a guy who, when at the end of the day, you look at him, and you'd say, he's doing something right. That's something that's good. But many of us struggle with the value of our lives. And we wonder, well, does, does life really matter? And, and I think there's really a struggle in our culture today with the value of life for, for a lot of different reasons. But I'm just going to mention a couple that I think just sort of, you know, they popped into my mind rather quickly. I think one of the reasons why life is kind of, a, you know, when we talk about its value, one reason why we struggle with it is because of the way that many people say that it came about. You know, the way that life came about is it was basically just like some big cosmic accident, right? You know, we, we know that something happened, we don't know what it was, but something happened, and then out of like this primordial ooze, life developed. And then this life came out of this ooze, and eventually it ended up evolving into, into apes, and then as time went on, we evolved from apes into people. And so, you know, now that's impressive. I mean, you say that's rather miraculous that something like that would happen. And so we look at life like that, we say, well, that's miraculous, but then when you look back at it, you say, but if it happened by accident, then what value is life, does life really have anyway? I mean, when it gets down to it, it's, life is just simply an accident. Now, I think there's another reason why we struggle with the value of life. And I think one of the reasons why is because of a Supreme Court decision that was made back in 1973. It was Roe v. Wade, and that, that gave a constitutional right for Americans to be able to terminate the preg their pregnancy, to, to kill off an unborn child. 
And I, and I believe that whenever that happened, then that devalued the value of life. Now, there's a lot of things that we say. We say that's a, it's a very rare occurrence. We try to do whatever we can to justify that. But guys, it's not as rare um, as, as you think it is. Since 1973, there have been over 60 million abortions that have taken place. Now, we can give all the excuses to why we think that it's okay because whenever I look into Scripture, I see that God has a lot to say about life. Now, you might say, well, whenever we talk about abortion, abortion's never mentioned in Scripture. It's not. But let me tell you what is mentioned in Scripture. Life is. The value of life. And even the value of the life of an unborn child is mentioned in Scripture. In Jeremiah 1.5, God told the prophet Jeremiah, he said, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God said that when he made people, that he made people in his image. So whenever we talk about the life of an unborn child, understand that it has been created in the image of God. And so I know that, that this is some of the subjects we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, and including the last two weeks, for some people are kind of touchy. But guys, my hope is that we're going to look and see what Scripture has to say about things that we talk about in our culture, and then we make a decision about what we are going to do, how we're going to respond to cultural issues, and hopefully in a biblical way. Now, today we've done something, we're doing something a little bit different. We have a Daybreak Pregnancy Center that is here, and so they have a table set up outside, and at the end of the service, if you, some of you might say, you know what, I, I feel compelled to do whatever I can to minister to people who are struggling with the value of life. I, I'd like to be involved in some way. And so if you'd like some more information as you leave today, there's a table set up for you to go and to talk to one of the ladies that's going to be manning the table. But what I'd like for us to do right now as we get started is we're going to watch a video of a lady who had a decision to make about her child. And so if we just watch this video, it's a couple of minutes long, and then I'll continue on. My little girl's name is Caitlin Dezekiah Kiel. She was born on April the 24th at 1252 p.m. And she was gorgeous, of course. It's just, it's so crazy. You wait all that time and then when it actually happens, it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, I know I've been thinking about this moment for nine months and I know I'm ready, but oh my gosh, am I really ready, you know? and then seeing her face, it was, it was all over. It was great. When I took the pregnancy test at home, my first reaction was disbelief, shock. Um, this, can't, this can't be happening. My mom brought me to the Pregnancy Resource Center. Um, she was trying to change my mind on aborting the baby, you know, that was my first thought. My mind was already made up, and nobody was going to be able to change it. My mom ended up bringing me in to talk to somebody, not only to talk to somebody about the situation, but hopefully to get a sono and actually see, see the actual situation and not, you know, not just make a, a choice, you know, not realizing what I'm going to give up if I don't go through with it actually seeing it for the first time and seeing her heartbeat oh, just I knew at that point I knew that there was no way I could 
Terminator, you know what I mean? And I, at that point, I didn't know if it was a girl or a boy, but I was just like, oh my gosh, look at it, you know? You could just see the heartbeat just, you know, going so fast. And um, it was life-changing. I actually had a date to have an abortion the following day. I remember going to sleep, waking up the next morning, I actually had the appointment at eight, set for eight o'clock in the morning, and I remember waking up at that time because my alarm went off, and I just rolled back over and told myself, you know, don't you get, dare get out of this bed, just stay there. And I, I did all day, actually, crying, because I knew I couldn't go through with it. If it had not been for the Pregnancy Resource Center, I, I can almost guarantee you that I wouldn't be a changed person. My daughter wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have found me again. I wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't be taking care of my responsibilities. I wouldn't be seeing life as, as it should be seen. Um, I found me again because of the PR Center. So the question for, for today is why is life, why is life valuable? You know, why does it matter? And uh, if, uh, that's why we're going to look in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. And what I want, want to do today is very simply, I, I want to focus on the value of life and give you some facts from Scripture about why life and all life is valuable. And so the very first thing that I want us to see, and King David wrote this text, and this is a really, I think this is a very personal text, it's a very neat text, and it hopefully is going to encourage you. And the very first thing I see about why life is value, valuable is, is this, it's because God made you. God is the one who is the creator of all life, and in verses, let's see, verses 13 and 14, listen to what God said, or what the scripture says, it says, for it was you who created my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. Now, I think there's something that all people need to know. And, and, and to understand that this is something that comes from Scripture. This comes, the, the Bible tells us that the Bible itself is inspired by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God worked through man to come up with this book. And what we are told is that God is the creator of life. And God is the one who makes people. Now, there's a lot of us who say, or a lot of people who say, well, you know, whenever the baby's in the womb, when it's first conceived, it's not a human life yet, and so they won't call it a baby, but they'll call it a fetus. Y'all have heard that before, right? Now, that's something really interesting to me. The, the word fetus is actually, it is a Latin word. You know, you know what fetus means? It means baby, which I just think is sort of ironic. That doesn't have anything to do with the sermon today. But I just wanted to let you know that, that whenever a child is conceived, the world will call it a fetus, but that literally means a baby. And, and what I discover as I read through Scripture is a mother, as she is carrying a child, she is carrying a life that has been formed by God according to the Scripture. Now, if that's true, and I believe that the Bible is the Word of God, then that has powerful implications for us. If you're created by God, it means that you are not an accident. That whenever, whenever you were created, whenever you were conceived, you were knit together and made by God. Your life, in other words, has significance. 
Now, if you hang on to the view of what the world says, and that is that, that we were just simply, that life just simply came about by an accident, then there's, uh, there's not a whole lot of value in that when you get down to it. But if you look at Scripture, the Scripture teaches the exact opposite. And it lets us know that life matters and that God is the creator of life. Now, there's some people who look at it and say, well, you know, maybe God's the creator of life, but when he made me, he messed up. There's some things I don't like about myself. Well, here's the thing about God. Did you know God, God never messes up? God, God has never made a mistake. There is never an accident. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that when he made you, he made you in his image. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. Now, this doesn't mean that we look like God or that we're exactly like God. We can't be. I mean, God's perfect. But what it does let us know is that we've been created in the likeness of God. We have a spirit like God, and it separates us from all other creatures that have ever been made. Now, folks, I want you to know something. I want you to know people are not animals. It's, there's a big difference between man and the rest of creation. We are different. We have a heart and a desire to seek after the things of God. Did you know every culture in our world believes in God? Every culture has a belief system. But there's only one true God who will fill the void in a person's life. Now, in our culture, we try to find different things to fill us up. And sometimes we think it's going to be, you know, if it's going to be money, if I have money, if I have more things, then that's going to fill up my life and that will give my life value. That will make my life feel like that it has purpose. But if that was true, then every rich person in the world would be absolutely happy. But that's not the case. If that were true, then every, every person in Hollywood would still be married. There would never be divorce. Everybody would be satisfied. But that's not what happens. I mean, if you, if you grew up like I did in the, in the 80s, the only thing you have to do to find out that this is true is, have y'all ever watched VH1's Where Are They Now? You ever watched that show? Y'all have not, but you will. One day you're going to be older like us, and you will watch it. And so I remember, I, I, I love to watch those shows. I wonder whatever happened to that, that band that sang, y'all remember the song Come On Eileen? Yeah, I'm gonna, we're going to sing that next time we do our, our series. Uh, anyway, so, uh, anyway that, so you look at that and you're like, I wonder whatever happened to that band. Well, VH1 answers the question. And so they go in there and they interview the guys in the band. They're talking to them. The guys are complete unknowns and they come out with a song. They become tremendously popular. They get all excited. You know, life is, a, life is just a great big party. But you, you know what they discover? It, it doesn't satisfy them. And so, of course, then they all end up getting on drugs or something like that. And then they have a train wreck of a life. And then, you know, where are they now? Well, you know, they just completely fell apart. Same story. Uh, you know, had a desire to be, to be known, to become wealthy. They get it. And then it doesn't satisfy, and they crash and burn. Same story over and over again. There is nothing that will fill the void in our lives in this world. King Solomon, this is what he wrote about in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a guy that had everything. You know what Solomon had to say? Ecclesiastes 1.14, he said, I've seen all the things that are done under the sun, and I have found everything to be futile. It is a pursuit of the wind. The things that he thought would satisfy did not. It's like going to the, it's like going to the fair. You see that big old mound of cotton candy, and you think, I cannot wait to shove it into my mouth because it's going to fill me. And you stick it in your mouth, and what happens? It is shrivels up, and it's gone, and you have nothing to chew on. Guys, that's life. 
If you're looking for the stuff of this life to fill you up, I promise you it's going to dissolve and there's not going to be anything, anything there for you. So, so why is life valuable? Real simple. It begins with this. It's because God made you. That's what the Bible says. God is the creator of life. So, so why else? What's another fact about why life is valuable? Here's another one. Because God knows you. I love this one. God knows you. Verse number, uh, verse number 13. For it was you, God, who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And then go down to verse number 15. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. I remember when Emily... Uh, was whenever she was going to have, we had, we have three children. I remember every time that she was pregnant, we, we looked forward to the kids being born. We couldn't, you know, you're kind of like, I wonder what they're going to look like. And so we couldn't wait to see what they're going to look like. Of course, you know, when they're babies, all babies look alike, right? Except for mine. And so they look different. But all of the rest of them look, look, you know, like prunes or something. So anyway, so we had our children. I couldn't wait to see what they look like. I couldn't wait for them to grow up. I was like, I wonder what their personalities are going to be like. So as excited as I was about getting to know our children, here's something really neat to know. Did you know that God knew you before you were ever born? God, God knew you. He knows you. Uh, we, we told this in Jeremiah again, Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, God said, I knew you. The beginning of verse number 13 says that God is the one who created our inward parts. You know, he, he knit us together. That's what it says in our text. God is the one who knit us together. That word knit, it means to embroider. It is the picture of a weaver sitting at the loom making like, making like a rug. And he, and he gets all different kinds of materials and he weaves them together and he has a design and a purpose in mind. God does the same thing with life. He, he knits us together. He has a design. When you were born, God knit you together. He had a design in mind for you and for your life. It's not like God just sort of threw something together and said, I wonder what's going to pop out now. And that's not what God had a design. God had purpose for your life. That means that whenever he made you, he made you with intention. So what does that mean? It means life matters. It means that your life has value. A, a child in the womb is a work of art that comes from God. Now you might say, well, then what's the purpose of life? 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us it is to bring glory to God. It's a, in everything that you do, do it for the glory of God. That means that whenever a life is conceived, God knew about it, God is the one who made it, and God has a purpose for that life. But whenever that life is snuffed out before its birth by man, what man is doing is take, he is taking the place of God. And he is interrupting the purpose and the plan that God has in mind for that life. Now we can make excuses for it. We can say things like, well, the, the child was going to be damaged. The parents weren't prepared to have a kid yet. You know, it's, it's not a good time for us. All these different things. Okay, y'all, that's, that's not the questions for us. The question is this. What does God have to say about life? You know, any excuse we make does not hold water with God. It does not stand up to the test of God's scrutiny. For, for starters, God doesn't make mistakes. You say, well, this child was an accident. It might have been an accident for you. 
or for somebody else. Let me tell you something. God's, God's never taken by surprise whenever it comes to life. Why? Because he is the one who is the creator. Now, it doesn't mean that that, that life came about in a way in which God intended, but God knew that life was coming. See, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are whenever a life comes. God can take any circumstance, whether it be good or bad, and he can use it for his glory. Now, that's what Romans 8, 28 tells us. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. You know, sometimes bad things can happen, but God can take bad things and he can make good things. You ever experienced that before? You know, things that you thought were bad, and yet God was able to work those bad things to make them into something good. You know, there's, a, a, there's a lady named, a lady named Corey Tinboom. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of her before. I'm sure some of you have. And she, was, she helped Christians, or excuse me, helped Jewish people during World War II, and she ended up being captured, and she and her sister were put in a concentration camp together. And as they were in the concentration camp, Corey was talking to her sister, and she, began to, she got lice, and, and she couldn't get rid of them. And so she was complaining about it daily. And her sister, who was a Christian, looked at her and said, Corey, the Bible says that we are to give God thanks for all things. And she was like, well, surely he didn't mean to thank him for lice. She said, I, he said all things. I think he should. So she said, I thought, well, I guess I might as well give it a shot. So she began to pray, and she thanked God for having lice. Strange story. So she thanked him for it, and she didn't understand it. It still irritated her, but she ended up, her camp ended up being liberated. But she discovered later on why it was a blessing for her. The soldiers who were known, the guards who were known for abusing all the prisoners never touched Corey Ten Boom because of those lice. They saw those lice, they said, we don't even want to get around that woman. And she said, it was then that I realized God can take anything and he can make something good out of it. Guys, understand this, God always knows what's going on. And whenever things bad are happening, God can take bad decisions he can take bad choices, he can take bad, what we would call luck, and he can use it and turn it into something good. So, so why, does, why does life have value? A couple things. God made you, God knows you, and that's the last one. God has planned your days. Your life is valuable because God has plans for you. Verse number 16, your eyes saw me when I was formless. You know what that means? God's eyes saw you when you were in the womb. It says, all, all my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Now, now I think this is a really interesting verse. And we, we see in this verse before a child is ever born or even formed that the scripture says that God has planned the days, has planned the life of that child. And the, the picture that's being drawn here is of an architect looking at his blueprints. He looks at his blueprints and he's able to see what is to become of those blueprints. He's able to see the building that it's going to become. Whenever you are in the womb, God is able to look at a child in the womb and he sees that child in the womb as his blueprints and he sees the person it's going to become. The Bible says you were planned by God even before a single one of your days came about. God's determined the length of your days. He's made you, he's hardwired you, he's created you in a way that you are going to be a blessing to the people that are around you. God, God made you. Now, this doesn't mean you can use this as an excuse and say, well, I was just being a jerk because, you know, that's just the way that I am. God made me that way. Don't blame God for that. 
Okay, God, God didn't make you to be a jerk. God has gifted you and blessed you to use the gifts that you have to be a blessing to the people around you. So whenever we don't view the, the, the child, an unborn child, as having life, understand this. Whenever we say that, guys, we are going against what Scripture says. The Bible says that God has planned your days, the days of an unborn child. Now, with over 60 billion or million unborn babies that have been aborted over the years, here's what I've wondered. I've wondered. I wonder, out of all those 60 million children whose lives have been lost, I, I wonder if there was just one of those kids that would have had a cure for cancer. I wonder if there had been one of those kids, and that's 60 million people, that would have had a cure for diabetes. I, I, I wonder, out of those 60 million people, if there was a leader that was waiting to be born who would have made a difference in the world in which we live today. See, life and death belong in the hands of God, not people. We're told this in Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man, appointed unto man once to die, and then to face the judgment. God is the one who is the determiner of our days. Everything runs on a cycle. There is a beginning and there is an end. And the Bible says your days are numbered. Now, instead of that being a frightening thing to think my days are numbered, I mean, they are. But, but think about how can I use the days that I have because God has made me on purpose. He's made me, he's made life with a plan. So I need to fulfill the plan God has for me. And I, and I need to allow the lives of other people to be able to, to fulfill and pursue the plan that God has for them. Psalm 90.12 says, Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now the idea here is if we recognize that we have a set number of days that, that we're going to begin to order our days in a way where we can use them for the most impact. Okay, now let me ask you this question. If you knew that you only had one week to live, would that change the way you viewed your family? If, if, you, if you knew you had only one week to live, would that change your prayer life? Now, here's what I believe. I believe if we really knew that, if we saw, like, I've only got one week to live... God, let me tell you something. You would love your family like you've never loved them before. I promise you, whenever you pray, your prayers, do you think with one week left, do you think your prayers would be a little bit more fervent? I, mean, I guarantee you mine would be. I'd be on my knees praying all the time. Whenever I, it would change my worship experience. I would come in here and I'd be focused upon, upon my creator, upon God, and I'd be hanging on to every promise I could see in Scripture. Now, if you recognize that God is the creator and the determiner of life, would that change the way that you view an unborn child? If you really believe that he's the creator of life, would that change the way you view an unborn child? Adrian Rogers was a preacher from Tennessee. He's now passed away, but he wrote some, some advice, some good advice on how Christians should re respond to this issue. Let me just read to you some things that he wrote. He said, Christians should be informed. He said, do not put your head in the sand. He said, find out where your leaders stand on the issue of life. When you vote, he said, you need to vote for life. He said, teach sexual morality at home. You teach it in the church. 
He wrote, parents and the church, the voices who need to be speaking the most, are often the most silent. He said, forget self-righteousness and have compassion for the unwed mother so she's not afraid to come to us, to the church. He said, be filled with love, not a hypercritical spirit. He said, show the love and forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ for those who've already had an abortion. He said, there is mercy, forgiveness, and grace with Almighty God. He removes guilt. He may not remove the pain, but he will remove the guilt. And then he said, begin to pray that God will give us time as a nation to repent. Now here's what I believe. Y'all, I believe this. I, I believe that as a nation, we are on the threshold of missing out on God's grace. And I believe one of the biggest reasons why is because we do not value life. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not talking about you in general. I'm just talking about in general, not you specifically. But as a nation, you know, the value of life has been greatly diminished. And one of the major reasons why is because we refuse to protect the lives of unborn children. Now, does life, is life valuable? Well, if I look into the scripture, I know it is. Now, how do I know that? Well, the Bible says God, God made you. God knows you. The Bible says God has a plan for each life that has been conceived. Okay, so how do we respond to that? Well, I think there's a couple things that we can do today. One of the things that we can do today is we can pray. And we can tell God, say, God, I just want you to know that I believe you are the creator of life. And God, I will always be pro-life. I will be for life. Another thing that we can do is it could be that there's some of you today, you say, you know what, I would like to be involved in some way. I would like to see if a, a young lady who comes in who is contemplating what to do with the life of this unborn child. I'd like to be an influence there. That's why we have Daybreak here today. We have a ministry here right here in Columbia where you have the opportunity to work with young ladies who are trying to figure out the future for their children, and you can promote life like Daybreak does. And so when you walk out of here today, if you just like some more information, grab a pamphlet, whatever it might be, at the table that we have set up out there. And then another thing that we can do is we can just simply, as a church, as believers, we can pray and say, God, forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive our nation for 60 million children that were never allowed to be born because we have not valued life. God, forgive us. Now what I'd like for us to do is I'd just like for us to bow our heads and to close our eyes. And it could be some of you would like to join in and pray. And you can do that. Y'all, it's in all seriousness, the one of the greatest things that God has ever given any of us, has given us life. And we need to value that. And so I just want to, I want to encourage you to join with me in prayer and say, God, have mercy on our nation. 